we're back in the room. It's me, Paul Ross, and you guys on TalkSport and Talk Radio. We are live until five. We're crossing live now to Latin America, to Mexico, I think, to catch up once again with John Bonfiglio. Not spoken for the longest time, too, but he's a top Latin American correspondent and broadcaster. Good morning, John. And how the devil have you been, sir? What you been up to? How are things? Good morning, Paul. All, you know roughly good at this end of things how about you how's things over there oh, not too bad i mean we're looking forward to some kind of light at the end of the coronavirus tunnel we're having we're seeing people being allowed to get back together in groups of six two households meeting outside and then next week non-essential shops and places are reopening again but actually i think it's a very different situation at the moment isn't it in brazil which has had an absolutely horrendous pandemic it sounds like even worse than it needed to be possibly what is the latest there because there's huge controversy i think at the moment in brazil yeah, Brazil is essentially one of the uh, main basket cases of the COVID, you know, global situation. Um, it has now a total of 13 million infections and just this last month had 70,000 deaths, which was twice the previous record and is currently at 4,000 uh, deaths a day. And you'll know it in the UK because of the Brazil variant, because of this P1 variant that has emerged, which is one of hundreds of variants that's emerged from Brazil, but essentially because there's such a massive uptake in terms of cross-infection and such low uptake in terms of the vaccines, essentially it's, um, it's a hotbed for these variants to, to breed themselves and is essentially, you know, not just a risk for Brazil and regionally, but also internationally and, and globally uh, as well. And interestingly, Uruguay and Paraguay on the borders of Brazil that had re until recently managed to keep a, a good lid on, uh, on COVID infections have now seen very recent uh, spikes and one of the, the, the main worries with this p1 uh, variant is that it is significantly more infectious than the first uh, variety at two or 2.5 times and also that reinfection rate it has a reinfection rate of up to 60 percent so up to 60 percent of people that have already had covid uh, are likely to get it again with this variant and this is now having severe, I think, political repercussions as well, because initially, Joe Bolsonaro, the president, was maybe not a coronavirus denier, but was much more kind of low-key in his response, almost mirroring the early days of Donald Trump's response to the pandemic. Yeah, so much of um, the Brazil president Bolsonaro's response has been has been out of the, the Trumpian playbook. And as you say, I mean, I think it's, he's as close to a, a, de a, a denier as we've we've got, I think, in terms of presidencies. I mean, he did say... You know, he said a number of things. He's cast doubt on whether the vaccines work publicly in press conferences. He's called uh, the, the the virus as being no worse than a little flu and so on. But for sure, Brazil, alongside the you know the health uh, health crisis, is now also undergoing a political crisis. There were six res resignations from from his cabinet um, on Monday of this last week, um, and which was particularly problematic for him because a lot of those involved uh, the military and he stacked his cabinet with military officers in a hope to gain you know to to gather ongoing support in Brazil and potentially even after the next election uh, next year and the fact that the the which has never happened in Brazilian history before um, all three uh, heads of the armed forces of the of the army the navy and the air force resigned in tandem on Monday on Monday citing wow. no reason whatsoever um, yeah, just a massive, you know, casting doubt on the validity and on the, the intentions of, of Bolsonaro and in particular his handling of the COVID crisis. And it does seem from uh, polls and surveys I've read that a large proportion of the population hold him personally responsible for this chaos. They do now. And this is another aspect of the political crisis that is taking place in Brazil, is that actually 
his response and the federal government's response stands against almost everybody else's response. So all of the state governors consistently try and clamp down on social, you know, on social distancing, on gatherings, on mask wearing, mask wearing and so on. But he consistently flouts all of those with 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 federal rules. So it's 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 an open sore in terms of, you know, which a number of people have said the mixed messaging that is taking place. In, in Brazil and ICUs statewide, there is no state ICU in, in Brazil, a country of 210 million that does not have occupancy of over 80%. Wow. And most of them are over 90% or beyond. The Oswaldo Cruz Foundation has said uh, recently that it's the single worst, worst health crisis in Brazilian history. I do wonder whether, you know, ordinary Brazilians, um, are nervous about what might happen going forward because Brazil, I think for over 20 years, had military rule there and that only ended back in 85. But Bolsonaro, I remember controversially, organised some kind of celebration or commemoration of that initial military coup which happened in 1964. Are people concerned that maybe democracy might be usurped again in Brazil? He does regularly, um, celebrate events related to the military. Uh, hunter and dictatorship and actually regards it as being one of the high points in 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 brazilian history i think you're absolutely right to bring that up that one of the great worries in brazil at the moment is that he loses the next election and actually again mirroring um the the trump playbook uh, that he then casts doubt on the validity of that election which he's already started to to do in terms of the processes and then calls on the military to intervene in in some way the resignations of the last week suggest that at the very least a significant section of the military is not behind him but even if you know half the military are and half the military aren't then it's certain to go down down a very rocky road in brazil and also he's not alone in thinking that you know that the military need to step in and bring order to to the country. I mean, one of the reasons why he won the election two or three years ago was because of uh, crime and corruption uh, and so on, which made a lot of people actually think that uh, democracy was perhaps not the best system to actually bring these things under control and kind of uh, hankered back towards, as you say, this military hunter of the of the 70s and uh, and 80. So, yeah, that, that is certainly the worry going forward alongside the COVID situation is what happens to Brazilian, not just in terms of the, the, the outcome of the elections next year, but also what happens to Brazilian democracy. Now, we've heard of the Brazilian variant, of course. You mentioned the reinfection rates there, which I know the whole world is eyeing slightly nervously and, and looking at, you know, how the immunization program might progress, whether we need a new kind of vaccine for that. I'd imagine that nervousness is magnified by those countries that, um, that border Brazil, share a border with for example, Bolivia. Because, of course, there's a fair amount yeah. of population movement in that part of the world as well, isn't there, or has been? Yeah, traditionally, yes. I mean, definitely less so now. I mean, a lot of the borders have been very um, definitely closed. Uh, I mean, obviously to air transport, but also uh, to land transport. There's still a lot of illicit movement backwards and forwards. But, you know, the official border crossings are certainly closed. But, you know, as we know from COVID, it doesn't take very many people um, to, to get across carrying the virus for that that to spread as well i think that for sure the the unease and the worry about uh, brazil or a situation like brazil being allowed to continue to run unchecked because bear in mind they've had almost no vaccine rollout whatsoever uh, the covax scheme has just released the first million um, vaccines in that country but that's 0.5 percent you know of what that population needs to be well fully vaccinated with one shot let alone with uh, with two shots so that um, test laboratory running amok in terms of these 
these variants is is absolutely a uh, a global worry in terms of getting this thing under control because um, as we know and has been spoken about you know by experts and in the press many times before unless you have an equitable distribution of of the vaccine across all countries and knock it on its head or control it to to a good extent then consistently it's going to be a problem for years and years to come and is there concern that maybe the figures which are very stark and very frightening may even be an underestimate about infection because it must be difficult i'd imagine to get very precise um alerts about infection rates from say the favelas the shanty towns the shack towns in, yes. in brazil and elsewhere certainly early on that was definitely the case i mean experts were saying that, that probably the actual rate of infection was 10 or 20 times higher than what was being you know that what was being cited i think by now actually the the testing rates are, are much better. I mean, f- for sure, you know, numbers are going to be north of what it is that we're actually seeing and reading. But I doubt it's it's quite that level of infections. Now, what's what's really stark, is, um, as we were alluding to before, is, is the levels of reinfection. Manaus, the jungle city in the north of Brazil, um, had a, had a huge pandemic problem right at the start of things with the burial in mass graves and and so on. Um, and they had roughly a 60 percent infection rate in that city, you know, when they were tested, had antibodies and so on. But that's undergone one of the worst uh, crises again with this with the second wave, with people being reinfected again. And that's, again, the, the, the major worry is that you're not going to have any kind of immunity with these variants. And how's, how are things in Mexico? I know that's where you're based most of the time, John. I think you are anyway. How are things being handled there? Because, of course, Mexico is also a focus of interest because of the changing policies from Trump's policy about uh, immigration. There are differences there. And there are still people, you know, going from countries below Mexico trying to get into the United States. And again, presumably, maybe adding to the risk of infection there. Yeah, um, definitely. Mexico has, uh, has also not handled the, the COVID crisis particularly well. Andres Manuel López Obrador, the more commonly known as, as AMLO, um, is, is also something of a, you know, has had something of a laissez-faire response to uh, to the pandemic. In the same way as, as Bolsonaro, I think both seem to think or have um, suggested that, you know, the, the economy is more important than the, than the health component of this. Interestingly, in the last 10 days, uh, Mexico, for the first time, included excess deaths in its total count as opposed to just official um, confirmations of, of COVID. So the actual death rate jumped up overnight from 200,000 to 315,000. Wow. It went up 60% overnight, making both Brazil and Mexico now uh, almost equal second in the world in terms of total deaths. So for sure, in a, yeah, in the COVID context, you know, not very good at all. As you say, interesting at the moment here and across Latin America contextually, because Biden is now, Joe Biden is now, 46th president of the of the United States and um, and there's certainly at the very least a tonal change uh, in terms of how he's dealing with with Latin America a lot of Latin Americans have and certainly uh, politicians have a have a fairly good memory of, of Biden as VP to, to Obama he spent a lot of time in uh, on the continent during that time and was generally well regarded he's spoken recently of having international partners and of mutual respect and of course the third thing which is also really important is that he's also not Donald Trump and with everything that goes on in Latin America uh, and the unpredictability just on a standard day to day basis in Latin America, you know, even pre COVID, the last thing you need is is somebody like Donald Trump north of the border also causing, uh, you know, issues and, and worries there. Essentially, Biden has, as I guess, you know, four big things in his intro, Cuba, Venezuela to, you know, things which are ongoing for 
for obvious reasons, COVID and vaccines, which we've spoken about, you know, the sure. equitable distribution. And then, as, as you say, the border as well. You know, the border is definitely continues to be an open source. The first big thing um, he's done is he's he's um, uh, declared a four billion dollar investment in, as you say, the northern triangle of Central America, where most migrants are currently coming from, partly because of crime, partly because of natural disasters and also just because of economic you know, crisis there. That's where most um, most movement is coming uh, from or gets to the to the border with the U.S. Uh, from. It's definitely not Mexican at the moment. It's predominantly Guatemalan, El Salvador and Honduras movement that, that goes up there. So his hope is that by actually investing in those countries and in the economy of those countries, that actually that might mitigate some of the some of the movement through. But as we speak, numbers are currently up. There are I mean, in general, they're up, but also there are more minors currently in migrant custody north of the border than than there were even before Biden's time. So um, who knows how that's going to how that's going to play out. And traditionally, over the course of the spring and the summer, there tends to be even more movement uh, from migrants up through through Mexico into the U.S. So uh, for sure, it'll be an ongoing issue through the, the Biden administration and well on beyond to whoever succeeds him. John, appreciate your time. It's been great to talk to you again, matey. Stay safe and thanks for catching up with us. John Bonfiglio there, live from Latin America, talking to me, Paul Ross, and you guys on Talk Sport and Talk Radio. And up next, we're taking